Guys, my name is Bobby, and I am one of the pastors here at the Ridge, and so we're so glad that you're with us today. Today's your, your first day here at the Ridge. Welcome. Uh, we're especially excited that, that you're here uh, as well, and hope that you'll be back with us again next week. Next week, uh, we're actually going to start a brand new series next week as we kind of walk through uh, the book of Esther uh, together on Mother's Day. Mother's Day is next week, so we're going to kick that off next week, and so we're really excited about that, so we hope that you'll uh, be back for uh, that next week. But today, we are wrapping up the Family Feud series, and and I know that Wesley last week uh, said that, that he was wrapping it up, but he doesn't get to do that. I get to do that. And um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, Wesley, Wesley did an amazing job last week. If you were here last week, didn't he do a great job? Yeah. Yeah, we, we are uh, we, we're so uh, blessed uh, to have a, a church where... Uh, we have so many uh, talented and, and gifted communicators that the gospel just flows through and are able to, to come up here to the stage and, and just present the gospel to us in the way that, that Wesley did last week. Plus, uh, you will never look at him the same any longer because you will only see a Backstreet Boy uh, when you see him uh, from now on. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll just have to, to go to our website and listen to last week's message as Wesley talked about uh, the uh, people-pleasing trap. So uh, I've got a really cool announcement to make uh, to you guys uh, today. I'm really excited about this. This is something uh, that was just birthed uh, a, a while back for us, and, and we're just excited to, to be able to take this next step and be able to do this. But uh, coming up on May the 22nd, that's a Sunday, uh, Sunday evening actually. Go ahead and mark your calendars. If you've got a smartphone app that, with the calendar on it, go ahead and put it in your calendar right now, May 22nd at 6 p.m. Uh, we're actually going to do a night of worship and baptisms uh, that night. So uh, here's the crazy thing, though. Here's the really fun thing. We're not going to do it here. We're actually going to go to the Oak Ridge Civic Center amphitheater and, and do it there. So we're going to gather together there. If you've never been out there, it's outside, it's outdoors, there's this beautiful hill out there, and we're just going to gather together as a church uh, there. So I uh, hope that you'll make plans to be there. And if you've never been baptized or, or you want to be baptized, and that, that's a next step for you, I just encourage you to take your Connect card today, right now, even right where you're sitting right now, and just go ahead and fill that out and put down on your Connect card that, that you want to be baptized, because we're going to do baptisms on May 22nd. We're just going to sing some songs to the Lord. And, and do baptisms. And so it's going to be a, a great night of worship and, uh, and excitement, I think. So I hope that you'll be there f- with us for that May the 22nd. So earlier this week, I had uh, just the, the weirdest experience that, uh, honestly, is an experience that I'd, I'd never had before uh, quite like this. And so uh, it was uh, my family and I, we, we were traveling uh, last weekend and first part of this week, and, and we'd gotten home late on, on Wednesday and had, honestly, some just really uh, greasy food. And it was, it was on the way home, and it was, uh, it was delicious going down. Uh, outside of that, I can't say much. But anyway, it was great. Uh, but it was, uh, it was just really just... Something that, uh, it was just greasy. Anyway, so I, I'm uh, 10 o'clock at night, 10, 10.30, something like that. I sit down on the couch and feeling fine, you know, feeling great. I sit down on the couch, about to, you know, check a few emails real quick and then uh, go to bed. And I sit down on the couch and all of a sudden, like, I just got this immense pain in my abdomen. Like, I just could not, like, it was the worst pain. Honestly, it was the worst pain that I'd ever felt in my entire life. And it was, like, right here, like, just right there. And it kind of, you know, it hurt for a few moments. And I sat there, so I got up, and I walked around a little bit. Uh, I went to, uh, out to our sunroom, and I did some jumping jacks because I was like, maybe that'll help, you know. I'm stretching, like, I'm doing all kinds of things. I'm trying to figure out, like, like what's going on here. And, I, you know, I'm just like, I, I don't know what this is. And it's really starting to hurt even more. And so my wife had fallen asleep. 
And so I never, like, here's the thing, like, I don't go to the doctor. I just don't, like, if an arm is dangling by a thread, then maybe we'll talk about it. But other than that, I just, I, I just don't. And so at this moment, though, like, it is hurting bad enough to where I'm contemplating, should I go to the doctor? Like, this, this does not feel good. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on here. So I wake my wife up, and, and that, she, look, look, so anytime, like, I got a hangnail, she's checking it out on WebMD. She's like, okay, let me see what the symptoms are. You got, what are you, you're having a heart attack. Like, you need to, no. And, and so, like, she's, like, she's that, like that. I mean, she just kind of does that. Uh, I love her for that because she's just, just like that. But anyway, so I wake her up, and, and I really didn't want to wake her up because I, I thought to myself, maybe, you know, maybe this is not that big a deal. But Honestly, like I just there was a moment where I just felt like like this this might be it. Like I, I, I don't know what's going on here. Like this hurts really, really, really bad. So I wake her up and she gets up and she Googles something and she's like, Hey, drink some hot water. I'm like, okay, so I drink some hot water and all of a sudden I drink some hot water and it's all gone. Like it's done. And I'm like, hey, that was easy. But then later on this week, like two days ago, it happened again. Now I figured out what the culprit is. I ate the same thing that I ate Wednesday night. So uh, that, that must have been like the, the whole deal. So the same, same thing going on there. I will never eat at this place. I will not mention uh, its uh, initials are BK. Anyway, um, so I, uh, I, I, I there, but there was this moment. There was this moment. And, and you know what the moment is because maybe the moment's not physical for you, but you know what the moment is because some of you are in the moment right now. It's that moment where you're overwhelmed. And maybe it's stress. Maybe it's... Uh, a relationship, maybe it's a, a circumstance, maybe it's a, a situation, maybe it's just life in general, but you're completely overwhelmed. And there's this moment that you've either been in, that you're in, or that you're going to be in at some point. Because remember what Jesus said, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. So it's coming, it's not if, it is when. But there's that moment where you're just not sure if you can go on. If you can take any more, if you can handle any further of what it is that you're experiencing, what it is that, that you may be going through. And, and some of you are, are in that moment right now, this overwhelming situation. Maybe it's in the form of a relationship, or maybe it's in the form of your marriage. Maybe it's in the form of something else. Maybe it's in the form of something that you caused. Maybe it's in the form of something that someone else has caused for you. So today's message is not one of those messages where uh, I just say, okay, so you're in that spot, and so here's what you need to do. You need to just get over it, right? Today, today's not that message. My, my son, he, uh, he's seven years old. He, he plays sports, and uh, uh, he is always like, you know, when you play sports, you, there's always little nicks and bruises and things that, that happen. And when I played sports, I remember when I was in high school, I had a, a high school football coach, and anytime that somebody got hurt, he always asked them a question. He said, are you hurt or are you injured? That's what he would ask us. He said, are you hurt or are you injured? Because if you were hurt, then his response was, well, then you need to rub some dirt on it and get back out there. 
Like that was his response. If you were injured, well, then you came out of the game. But if you were just hurt, you had to rub some dirt on it and get back out there. And so I'll never forget that. And so I say that to my son all the time. Anytime he gets hurt, I'm just like, get back, rub some dirt on it, get back out there. So uh, this past football season, he's playing flag football. And uh, there was a moment where he had gotten like a little nick on his hand. You know, I think he had gotten uh, stepped on just a little bit barely. And so he comes running back over to the sideline, you know, and, and he's like holding his hand. He's like, oh, dad, it hurts. And so I asked him, I said, are you hurt or are you injured? He didn't know what I was talking about. He's like, it hurts. I was like, well, then you need to rub some dirt on it and get back out there. And so he looks at me and like, why? You know, he's like, I don't know what's going on. And, and so I was like, just, you know, so I pat him on the bottom and, you know, send him back out onto the field. And so he runs back out on the field. I didn't think anything else about this. This is during practice. This is not during the game. And so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting, watching him out there, and he's kind of standing there looking at the rest of his team. And he's kind of looking around a minute. And I see him bend down and grab some dirt and go, <laughs> and kind of like look around a little bit. Like, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. And I just started dying laughing. I was like, okay, uh, that's, that's pretty funny. Today, today's message is not that. It's not, you know what, you just need to get over it. You need to rub some dirt on it. You need to, to, to get back out there and, and get into the game. You see, we, we sort of live in a, in a society, in a culture where uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, we're supposed to ignore those things. We're supposed to push through those things the best that we can. We're supposed to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're supposed to take care of things ourselves. And again, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. No, that's not what he said. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but... I, who, him, not you, he has overcome the world. So there's, a, there's a, a, a moment where you may sit where you're sitting right now, feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, just completely just blown away by this past week, maybe this weekend, maybe it's just been this whole year, maybe it's been a long time, I don't know. But you, you're in that moment where you, you just don't know if you can, if you can go on. And maybe you've tried the whole pulling yourself up. Maybe you've tried overcoming yourself. Maybe you've tried to, to, to just take all of this weight on your own shoulders. And Jesus tells us and reminds us over and over and over again, and God reminds us through the Scriptures that it's not on you to carry. If you're a follower of Christ, it's not on you to carry. It's on Him to carry, Him in us, through us, to carry. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 is, is where we're going to be today, and I'm going to go ahead and, and just give you the, uh, the two points of the message today just right up front, uh, and, and then we're just going to sort of unpack them as we go uh, here in just a second. But before we do that, uh, I want you to reach underneath your seat. Everybody go ahead, reach underneath your seat. Underneath your seat is a rock, and so uh, if you don't mind, reach underneath your seat and grab uh, that rock. You have a, a rock under there. Uh, these are not to throw at me. Um, I, 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 have a, I have a big one I will throw back at you, okay? And I, I'm pretty agile, I'm quick, so uh, you'll have to hit a... That's right, that's right. So you've got this rock, 
And I want you to hold on to this rock. If you can, uh, and you might be taking notes, and that's okay, so like hold it in one hand. You might have to switch hands, but I just want you to keep this rock in, in your hand uh, for the entire time if you can. Just, uh, just, just hold on to this rock. We'll, we'll come back to this rock here uh, in just a few moments. But um, Exodus chapter 14, if you have a Bible or you can follow along the screen back here behind me, uh, open your version app, and you can follow along there. If you click on events, you can actually just follow along the message and all the notes uh, right there in your version app. And if you want like a physical Bible, you know they still make those things. Um, if you want one of those, we have, uh, we have free ones we would love to give you if you don't have one. And if you want a really nice one, we've got a whole box of leather ones with other people's names on it. You just scratch out the name and it can be yours. Um, so that's, uh, that's our gift to you. We want to, to give you that. So here's the two points just, just right up front. Two of the most powerful truths that I have ever learned about God. These are two of the most powerful truths that I have ever learned about God. And these are really just the two points of, of the message today. Number one, God is, God is great. God is great. And number two, God is able. God is great and God is able. If you thought I was going to say God is good after that, uh, then you messed up. So scratch that out. God is great and God is is able. So we're going to unpack this as we go. Exodus chapter 14, let me catch you up to speed what's happening here. Uh, We are in uh, the Exodus, so this is where uh, Moses is actually taking out the the people of Israel. They were enslaved to the Egyptians, and so uh, Moses is called by God. Uh, Maybe you remember that story. There's a burning bush. God speaks to Moses through the burning bush, tells Moses to go, and so he goes to to Pharaoh, who is the most powerful man in the entire world world. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, powered through uh, just the Spirit of God speaking through him, uh, speaking through uh, Aaron and saying to Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. Pharaoh is pretty hard-hearted, it says, the Bible tells us, and also hard-headed. He doesn't want to let them go. And so God unleashes this series of plagues. You can read about these plagues in the first several chapters of of Exodus. And so eventually it, it breaks the heart of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh lets the people of Israel go, and Moses leads the people of Israel out of the nation of Egypt. And then the Bible says that that Pharaoh's heart is hardened again, and so he decides, he's like, wait a minute, what did we just do? Like, why did we let these people go? Let's go after them. So uh, Moses and the people of Israel, they're leaving Egypt and Pharaoh assembles his entire army. He gets into the army himself. He gets into a chariot himself, and they chase after the entire nation of Israel as they have been set free, but they are not quite free yet. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like that that there, there was a moment, there was a little opening there where you thought that, man, I hit this gap right here, and all of a sudden there's going to be freedom, but then you, there's that moment where you realize, oh, wait, I'm not out of the woods yet. This is kind of where the nation of Israel is at right here. Look at this, Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 1. We're actually going to read the whole chapter, so follow along with me uh, if you can. It says this, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of uh, the name of this place that I cannot pronounce and neither can you, so do not make fun of me. All right, so uh, between Migdal and the sea in front of another name I cannot pronounce, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the glory on his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, 
and they did so. Now, if you notice this, they go to a couple of different places. It says they were encamped in front of, uh, we'll call it P-Town, between Migdal and the sea, in front of B-Town, right? And you shall encamp facing it. And, and, and the entire nation of Israel, they're, they're sort of zigzagging at this point through, uh, through Egypt and out of Egypt. They don't know yet that the nation of Egypt is taking after them, uh, coming after them. And so they, they don't take a direct route. If you read the rest of the book of Exodus, they, you, know, you see this. They don't take a direct route to the promised land, the land that God said, I'm going to set aside for you. Have you ever noticed that, that God rarely sends you on a direct path to where he's going to take you? You ever notice that? You ever notice how, how like when, when God points out a place for you, points out a direction for you, or you feel like that, that in your heart that God has said, I want you to go this way, I want you to go that way, like it's not always A to B, is it not? A lot of times it's A to B to C to D, back to A, <laughs> so on and so forth. God rarely sends us on a direct path to where he's taking you. And that's because our God is a bring you through God, not just a get you there in the shortest route kind of God. And I know that we don't like that. I know that we don't like the fact that, that sometimes that God is a bring us through God, that God is not a get us around the storm kind of God. God is a bring us through the storm kind of God. But you see, wouldn't you learn so much more about who God is, what his character is, and what he's doing for you if he brought you through the storm instead of just always having you avoid the storm? It may explain a lot about where some of you are right now and the things that you're feeling right now. Look at verse 5. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt and with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and over, overtook them encamped at the sea by P-Town in front of B-Town. Don't make fun of me. Like I just, I'm going to butcher that, so I'm not even going to say it. Imagine this. The nation of Israel was large. I mean, it was, I mean we're talking, we're, we don't know exactly how many people it was, but it was very, 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 very large. But you know what they didn't have? Weapons, chariots. They didn't have any of that. They had numbers, but they didn't have anything else. But the Egyptian army was trained. They, they, were, uh, they were large in number. They had horses and chariots and weapons, and they're coming after the nation of Israel. And so the nation of Israel, they faced an impossible situation. They faced an impossible situation at this point. Look at verse 10, it goes on. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. They feared greatly. Look what happens next. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, "It is because there are no gra- or is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness?" 
So the nation of Israel, they're like, hey, 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 Moses, here, here's the thing. Uh, looks like things are not going to go well at this point. So did you just bring us out here to die? Like, were there not enough graves in Egypt to put us in? Like, did you have to bring us out here to, to get us into a grave? Because this is not going to go well. It's because they were afraid. You see, fear can make you do and say dumb things, can it not? Fear can make us do and say dumb things. Listen to what uh, they say next. It says, What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And this is exactly why we don't have congregational voting here at the Ridge. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. This is not going to end well for us. This is not going to go well for us. Can we just go back and be slaves? Because fear will make you do and say dumb things, will it not? This is exactly where they're at. Look at, look at what happens next. It says this, Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. I love that. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. See, sometimes we take that verse out of context. We say, the Lord's going to fight for us. We only have to be silent. What Moses was actually saying was he was saying, hey, shut up, say amen, and get to marching. That's what he was saying. He was like, at some point, you've got to put action to your belief. And so, be quiet. Stop grumbling, stop complaining, and don't be afraid any longer. You know, the Bible says, fear not, in in one form or the other, 365 times. Do you know that? Isn't that amazing? Why, Why do you think God put that phrase in there so many times to remind us not to be afraid, to not to fear our circumstance, not to fear what we're up against, not to fear what it is that is overwhelming us. Because he wants to remind you and me how great he is, that he is a great God, that God is great. God says, I'll fight for you. And some of you, some of you are in a fight right now. And if you're not in one right now, you're going to be in one. You're in a fight for your marriage. You're in a fight for friendship. You're in a fight for a relationship. You're in a fight against an addiction. God is fighting for you. But do you believe that? Do you believe that? Scriptures tell us that, but do you believe that? Jesus said, nothing is impossible for those who believe. In what? That God is fighting for you. That Jesus defeated death for you to save you because you and I could never save ourselves. But do you believe that? Do you believe that that God's fighting for you is only to save you? Or do you believe that it is actually fighting for your good? Now, good is... We look at it differently. It's perspective. Because it may not be good right now, but it can be good later. It may not be good right now, but it can be good later. And so listen to what happens next. Verse 15, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. 
Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen." Verse 19, it says, Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved uh, from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And so this pillar uh, of cloud is between the two nations, between Israel and Egypt as they're uh, fleeing. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night long. Verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. <coughs> it goes on. Since the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watched the Lord in the pillar of the fire of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Isn't that interesting? That even the, this great army, this great nation of, of the Egyptians, they're, they're looking out and they can see how God is fighting for them. They can see how, how God is, is already moving them. And this is the part where the faith really kicks in for the nation of Israel. This is the part where, where they really get into what do they, they really believe. Because they're stepping into, if you can imagine with your own eyes, you've probably seen it, you've seen the movie, the, the sea is pushed back, there's a huge wall of water on the right, there's a huge wall of water on the left, and this whole nation is walking through on dry land. Now, I don't know about your children, but mine would be the ones who would walk up to the water and like try to stick their finger in it, and the whole thing would probably come up crashing down at that point. And so, you know, I'm kind of walking with my kids at this point. I'm like, don't you touch anything. Like, you just keep walking. Like, so the whole nation is in the middle of this, and here comes behind them Egypt. goes on, verse 26. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled into it. The Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Number one, God is great. God is great. Uh, a few years back, um, this was actually uh, 
probably seven, eight years ago, so it was before uh, we started Ridge Church. I worked in an office in, in Knoxville, and a lot of times on my lunch break, especially when it was nice outside, as I would uh, get in my car and I would drive to a, a park that was close by to where our office was at, and I'd take my lunch or pick up lunch, and I'd, I'd eat the lunch in my car, and I'd roll the windows down and let the, you know, the breeze kind of come through the car. Some of you know how, how this works, and so I'd eat my lunch real quick, and then I'd read something, and then I'd try to take like a 20-minute a nap, 20-25 minute nap, something like that, you know, because sometimes sleeping is the most spiritual thing that you can do, and so that's what I was doing. I'd sleep. I'd take a nap and hope that I woke up in time to get back to the office, you know, within my lunch break. And so I remember in this park, uh, there were all of these geese that were always around uh, the park. And so I, I'm see, uh, one day I'm, uh, I'm asleep in my car. I'm kind of got the chair kicked back a little bit, kind of leaning back, uh, you know, and I'm just, uh, I'm just asleep. It was a really good sleep too. But you know, sometimes like when you sleep, and you feel like there's a moment where you feel like you're being watched. Do you ever had those moments? It's weird, right? It's kind of scary, right? Like you, you're in that moment where you're like, I feel like somebody is watching me at this point. And so I kind of had that feeling, except I didn't know, like I wasn't real sure. And, and, and so I kind of look out to my right and I, I look and I'm kind of looking out, you know, in front of me. I'm not looking to my left. I'm just kind of looking out to my right and looking out in front of me. And I don't see anybody. Like there's nobody around. There's nothing there. And so I'm like, oh, it must be nothing. So I go back to sleep and uh, close my eyes. And then all of a sudden, like I kind of felt something kind of brush up again against the, the, the side of my chest, right? And at that point, it's like one of those slow wakes, right? Like you don't want to like jump up real quick and like startle whatever it is that just brushed up. I think maybe a bird like flew through, you know, something like that. And so it's kind of like one eye kind of thing, you know, then the second eye kind of opens up. And when I do that, I open one eye up and there is the ugliest goose that I've ever seen in my entire life has reached his head into my vehicle and is trying to pick the piece of bread of my sandwich that I'd laid on, on my console. And so I'm, I'm sitting back like this, open both of my eyes up, and I see this goose with its head in my car. And I'm telling you, when I say it's an ugly bird, it was an ugly bird. Like, it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And this goose kind of pulls back real quick, and it stops, and it's looking at me, and I'm looking at it, and we're looking at each other, and I don't know what to do at this point. Like, I, I don't even know what to do. And so I'm looking at it, it's looking at me, and then it hisses. You ever had a goose hiss at you? <laughs> right? Hisses at me. And so I did what any man should do, is I screamed. Very high pitch, too. I'm not. And so I'm screaming, ah, the goose is, I'm screaming, and the goose is, you know, we're just like going back at each other, like, you know, like, what's going on here? <laughs> true story, true story. Now, why didn't I just roll up the window, you know? Like, I could have just rolled up the window. I could have started the car. I could have just went away. But this goose had me scared. Why was I afraid of something when all I had to do was roll up my window? Why would I run from something that really, essentially, I have power over? See, some of us are, are running from a circumstance that, that you have power over through Jesus because God is greater. Because God is greater. Death was the best shot that the world had to overcome Jesus but he overcame that and came out of a tomb. God is greater. And here's why that matters. The same Jesus that had the power to overcome death is the same Jesus that is in you to overcome what it is that overwhelms you. 
God is greater. You see, when Israel ran, they they ran out of fear of their circumstance, forgetting that God told them, hey, I've got this. They ran out of fear of their circumstance, forgetting that God has got this. And so what are you running from? Have you forgotten that God is great, that God is greater? I think we forget too often that God is greater. He's bigger. He's more powerful. He is the God, not just some little G God. Number two, God is able. God is able. You ever talk to someone who thinks that they can do anything? You know what I'm talking about. We live in the South. You've got to know somebody like this, right? You, you ever talk to somebody that says, you know what, I mean, they, they just believe that they can do absolutely anything. There is never anything that they have ever gone up against that they didn't at least blink at and say, you know what, I can do that. Now, they may have had a red Solo cup in their hand when they said that, but it doesn't matter. They said, I can do that. Now, we all know what this is, right? This is a towel. Like, well, it's a towel. Congratulations, you got it right. It is a towel. But when you're four, five, six, seven years old, this is not a towel. It's a cape. That's right. You put one of these things on, and it changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. Right, Tim? Am I right? That's my, it is. It is my personal cape. I may still play with this. I'm not, I'm not saying. <clears throat> That's right. It doesn't fit anymore, actually. But anyway. But, but like, yeah. Back streets back. But you, put this, you put this cape on, and it changes everything, doesn't it? You can do anything. You can be anything. You can face anything. Can you not? I think it's interesting that Jesus says, you know, that it's the faith of a child, that we have to have faith like a child, right? Because there's so much that a child just does and knows that we forget that God is great, that he's also able. He's not just great, but he is also able. And what if we really did believe that God is able to do anything? What if you believe that God is able to do anything? What if we really did believe that God is able? When we fight, you know, sometimes we go up against what it is that, that we're against. You and I on our own, we can, we can get a little ways. We can, we can get just as far as we can, but when God steps in, everything changes. When the, the cape, or when, when God gets involved, everything changes. And when we believe and know that He is able, that anything is possible, it means that anything is possible in all areas of our lives, because He is able. Aren't you tired of doing what you can do? Aren't you, t- I mean, aren't you tired of that? Like, aren't, hadn't you had enough of that, just doing what you can do? Don't you want to see what God can do? What if we believed in God that way, that he is able to do anything we could ever imagine or even ask? How would that change how you're viewing your circumstance right now? 
your relationships, that toxic relationship that maybe you've been hoping would just be different. It doesn't radically change your circumstance, but it changes what you believe about what is on the other side of your circumstance. And I know you can't see it, but when you can't see it, that's when you've got to know it. You may not be able to see it, but that's the, the moment that, that you've got to know it. So what are you in the middle of right now? Where is your focus? Is it on your circumstance or is it on God's power and ability to do more than you can imagine or hope for? Do you believe that he is great, that he is able? Well, let me ask you this. What are you holding on to that may be keeping you from believing that? What are you holding on to that may be keeping you from believe, believing that? Whatever it is that you're holding on to that, that keeps you from believing that he is great and that he is able is what has you enslaved. If you hold on to anything but Jesus, you're putting your trust into that to get you through. And that makes you a slave to that thing. Maybe it's control. Maybe it's dependence upon a relationship. Maybe it's something else. You know, I think it's interesting when we go back to Exodus 14, verse 10. The nation of Israel, they they see that the... the, uh, nation of Egypt is coming after them. They see this impossible situation that they're up against. They, they see that they're about to be overwhelmed by this, and they, they look back to Moses, and they say, Moses, um, I don't know why you brought us out here. We could have stayed in Egypt and, and died there. And, and they were basically pleading with Moses to just let them go back to Egypt. That They almost derailed the entire thing that God wanted to do for them because of what they were holding on to. Now you've got this rock. And you've got it in your hands. I would love for you to take just a moment to think about what it is that maybe you're holding on to that keeps you from believing that God is great, that God is able. Would you stand to your feet for just a moment? I want you to take the rock that, that, that you've got in your hand. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Ask yourself this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What are you holding on to right now that is keeping you from believing that God is great? That God is able? What is it that, that, you're, that you've placed into your hand that symbolizes the very thing that may be holding you back from believing that God is great, that God is able? Whatever that may be, I think we all have those things. I think we all hold on to those things in some way. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond we give you an opportunity to just to pray or, or maybe to come and pray with a couple of our prayer partners. Sherry is right over here. This is Keith right over here. There are a couple of our prayer partners today. They would love to, to pray with you if you want to pray with someone. But here's what I want us to do right now. Before we come and take communion during this song, we have communion available for those of you that, that want to come and take uh, communion. We'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But before you come and take communion, here's, here's what I want you to do. In fact, this is what I want all of us to do right now. You've got that rock in your hand. Go ahead and, and grab it. Hold it out in front of you. Hold it out in front of you. 
And as you ask yourself the question, God, what, what is it that I'm holding on to that keeps me from believing that you are great and that you are able? Whatever that is, as you picture that, as you hear that echo and, and reverb in your heart, here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just let it go. I'm going to ask you to just let it go and let it drop to the floor. And let this be the moment that you are no longer enslaved to the fear that keeps you from believing of how great and able God is. Let this be the moment that you draw a line in the sand to say God is great and God is able. And I believe that He can do more than I could ever ask or imagine. Father God, we thank You so much for this moment. We thank You so much for, um, God, this, this time together. God, as we come to You, God, as we proclaim, God, as we cry out, Father, that we are free, that we are free. God, let this very thing that we hold in our hand, God, let it be the very thing, God, that we are proclaiming is now defeated by You. God, You are great. You are able to help us overcome pull us through. Whatever it is that we fear, God, whatever it is that has uh, almost overcome us, God, the grave almost overcame you, but you defeated the grave. And so, God, we hold on to that. We proclaim that, God. We feel that. As you hold on to that rock on the count of three, would you just let it, just let it go? One, two, three. Jesus, we are free. We are no longer slaves to the things that hold us back from believing that you are great and that you are able. It's in your name we pray.